0: Okay, brethren, at this time, we'll have our second message by Pastor Gregory. Good afternoon everyone. As we know, this is Memorial Day weekend. Tomorrow is the holiday, and when I was a youngster, as some of you were at one time, uh, we used to refer to this as Decoration Day, then Memorial Day, going back to the original uh, title of Memorial Day, and then in the 60s it was made a federal holiday designated as Memorial Day but you know in recent times now there's been a lot of discussion about trying to get back and change the name and go back to their original intent and purpose of the Memorial Day rather than just decoration for everyone uh, more focused toward uh, recognition of the military, the soldiers and that is uh, similar to what we have about Pentecost because we want to know what is the true meaning and the true purpose behind Uh, Pentecost and why we observe it. So, as we read in the New Testament, in Acts, the second chapter, verse 1, says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And in Acts, the 20th chapter, we read in verse 16, for Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus, because he would not spend the time in Asia. For he hasted, if it were possible, for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. And in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8, Paul writes... To the Corinthians, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. This was a year earlier, and then the year later he passed by. So, the question is here what does it mean, Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, fully come? Well, the word fully means uh, some plural in the Greek, and it means completed or when the time has come. It means it's not past the time, but it's fully arrived. So, Pentecost, the 50th day, is what it means, the 50th day was fully come, was there. And we find the Apostle Paul, a Benjamite, keeping Pentecost as a Christian 30 years later. So, some good questions here. Why? And uh, three uh, whys and one what. Now, the scriptures present us with so much information about Pentecost that... uh, I'm not going to be able to cover all of the different points today. We had uh, some references yesterday, and of course in our personal studies over the years, and many years of observing and keeping the Feast of Pentecost over the many years, we get different uh, lessons and messages focusing on the different uh, reasons for Pentecost. Now, the technical information about Pentecost is when it occurs. How we count it. Is it on a day or a date? Is it a day of the month, a day of the time, or is it a date? How to count it, the crick. And we've had uh, some charts in the past we've gone over this and Matthew Steele has prepared a very colorful chart showing how to count down Pentecost to the 50th day and there are some over on the uh, sound booth over there. So, uh, how to count the correct day, what's done on the Day of Pentecost, and what this day means to us. It's with harvest time, first fruits, first harvest. uh, It has a relationship to the Jubilee we heard earlier in the, uh, I think in the prayer or, or comment earlier about the year of Jubilee. So on the 50th there's a relationship there. We have uh, information about the two loaves and what do they signify. Then a question is, was the Ten Commandments given on the day of Pentecost? Was the Old Covenant given on the day of Pentecost? We're going to look at that a little closer here. And the Holy Spirit that first came. You know, Jesus was the first begotten from the dead. He was the first to raise. And he was the first born again. He was the first one to be actually born of the Spirit, from a physical into a Spirit. There were other physical resurrections we know, but the uh, birth of Jesus Christ. Then the uh, Day of Pentecost, was this the beginning of the Church as some say, was this the birth of the Church of God, or was it the conception? And the birth is to come later, so is it the conception and then the birth of the Church of God when we're born again, born of Spirit into the Kingdom? Was it a day of rejoicing? A day filled with offerings that uh, the uh, congregants were giving to uh, God? Well, we'll see this. Now, there's another scripture here I'd like to read in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, if we go back there. I'm not going to read all of Leviticus, and I'm not going to read all of the scripture, scriptures that are referencing to, uh, aton- uh, to Pentecost, because we've seen the... Uh, couple of messages yesterday in recent times, and our focus is on that, and we're familiar with this, but I want to read from Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, and verse 21, this is about Pentecost, and you shall proclaim, that means preach, on the selfsame day, that it may be a holy convocation, commanded assembly, unto you, you shall do no servile work. Therein, work for pay at our regular jobs, regular occupation, whatever that is. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. Now, for Israel, the holy days were commanded on them by statute to be observed forever. So, if we're Israelites, we need to be observing this holy day, not necessarily the holiday, a holy day. Now, what about a Christian? Paul was a Christian and he was observing these holy days. And the history records, if you do a lot of research about the history of the Church of God since the first uh, century, you will see not only was it Sabbath observing, but was holy day observing. And Paul was a Benjamite. He wasn't a Jew, he was a Benjamite, but had that relationship with the Jew. And he was still keeping the Holy Days, especially as I've just read to you, Pentecost. So if we're Christians, and I'm not going to take a lot of time because that's a separate message showing why Christians must keep the Holy Days. But just to say incidentally that Paul left us an example, and that's why he was keeping them because he was not only an Israelite and it was incumbent upon him to keep the day, just as it is for Israel today, but he was also a Christian and he had more reason to keep it for the significance of what it stood for, in typology, now, here's a question: uh, Was the was the commandments, the Ten Commandments, and the Old Covenant given on the Sabbath, or on the Day of Pentecost? Now, some have said that the Day of Pentecost was the day when the Old Covenant was given, when the Ten Commandments were given to God by Moses. Now, we're going to show here some charts, and I've Gone through this a lot on uh, different uh, messages on um, past years about uh, Pentecost and the exodus of Israel from Egypt. But we're going to show here the first chart here. Going to show, okay, this is a calendar here from uh, 2060. Because, uh, let me get my pointer up here. Uh, occasionally, over the years, the time of the Gregorian calendar matches up with the Hebrew calendar of the first day beginning with the new moon here. So this happens to be 2016, and I copied this page out of the Hebrew calendar, of March, April, May, and June. And over here are the uh, Hebrew words for the first month, Nisan. Iyar, or Ivar, and Sivan, or Sivan. Sivan 6. Okay, now, Israel, we know, observed the Passover on the beginning uh, of the 14th evening at the end of the 13th in their homes, and they assembled in at Rameses, and they went out on the 15th of the month. Right over here. They went out on the 15th of the month. These two months uh, paralleling each other. This is Thursday. Thursday, the 15th, is when they departed, We'll read here, if you'll go to Numbers uh, 33. There are other references, but we'll just look at this one here and read Numbers 33. Verse 3, And they departed from Rameses in the first month, on the fifteenth day of the first month, on the morrow, after the Passover. Twelve times the on the in the Bible is on the fourteenth. On 12 times, in or on the 14th. Passover is over, so they're departing out that night. The children of Israel went out with a high hand in the sight of all the Egyptians. We know they went out. So they went out then. Put our chart back up there, uh, Brian. Leave it up there, please. Or while we'll go to another chart later, but yes. So they departed then on the 15th. Now, this is the, this is the 15th. The Jews observed the Passover on the 15th. Then we know from counting that it's the 50th day, so there's seven days in a week. So the first week from uh, the uh, Passover from Sunday, the wave sheaf offering, and Matt has a chart on this. So you have 7, 14, 21, 28, 35, 42, 49 days, seven weeks. And you'll come up to the 50th day is on a Sunday. Okay, same thing over here. Now this year, it happens to be, Uh, we'll look at the put the other map uh, the other chart up Brian at this time okay now this is this year 2012 and we know we kept Passover on uh, Thursday night and the day was first day of unleavened bread was on Saturday Passover day on the 6th which is over here the 14th and the 15th was the Jewish Passover and then we count during that week 7, 14, 21, 28, 35, 42, 49, 50 comes up today May the 27th. This is May 27th. It so happens that this year, here, if you count, the Jews count different than we do. They count from the next day after Passover 50 days. So they count from Passover 50 days. So the next day brings them from Saturday to Sunday, would bring them to Shavuot 6. The Jewish congregations keep Sivan 6, a date. It might occur, it might occur during the week. We observe Pentecost on Sunday. It's always on Sunday. And by the way, uh, this, if you go back to the first chart, if you can switch back quickly, Brian, just a moment. Uh, okay, this, this week here, of Tuesday, Wednesday, Passover, the 15th was the first day of unleavened bread, and then the 21st is the last day of unleavened bread, paralleling. The same in the uh, uh, Jewish reckoning of the Passover and their week and coming down to Pentecost. So, in 2060, it'll be on June 6th. Same on the uh, uh, Hebrew calendar, it'll be the 8th month on Sunday, the same day we observe it. But they're going to be observing it on the 6th, on Sivan, the 6th chapter, 6th verse, (laughs) 6th chapter, 6th verse, 6th day, excuse me. Okay, now, uh, let's, uh, let's go, let me put the first chart back up. Let's go back to Exodus, the 13th chapter, and verse 4. This day came you out in the month of Abib. This day, Thursday, I want to remember that, not a date. The date, Thursday. Then we want to read Exodus 16, verse 1. And they took their journeys from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departure out of the land of Egypt. Fifteenth day of the second month. What do you know? That's Saturday. Sabbath. Sabbath. 15th day of the second month the Ivar, they came to this area. Okay, now, skip on up to Exodus, the 19th chapter. Uh, By the way, well, let's go back to Exodus 16, interim chapter here. Uh, 15th day of the second month on this <laughs> okay, I was going to show you, on this one, two, three, fourth on this Sabbath day, they murmured and complained and griped about they didn't have any flesh to eat or bread, and they were complaining, so God told them that they were going to give, he was going to give them uh, flesh and manna, and so on the 16th, we'll read right here, uh, they murmured, I'll rain bread, and uh, verse 8 Uh, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, so that the Lord heareth your murmurs, which you murmur against him. And what are we? Uh, Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And it came to pass, verse 13, that at even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about. And so... uh, Verse 23, it came to pass that uh, after the sixth day, in verse 22, tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath of the Lord. That was the fifth Sabbath. So between, <laughs> keep my, yeah, there we are. Oh, does that disappear when I turn around? <laughs> okay, uh, so now we've come down to uh, Exodus, the 19th chapter. We're progressing through, this is the Exodus. Chapter 19, verse 1, in the third month, oh, he's putting scriptures up, I see, okay, now I can understand, thank you, Brian, you did a good job, keeping up with me, in the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai, the same day, what is that, same day, oh, we're back, yeah, good, he's, he's getting quick. Okay, the same day would be Thursday. So, the same day, right here, Thursday, in the first month. Not a date, the day, Thursday. Okay, then Moses was called by God. Uh, told him, to, uh, well, he went up and visited with God. In verse uh, uh, 5 and 6, God said to him, If you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people. For all the earth is mine. You shall be unto me a holy kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And he went up he spoke all these words. And verse 8, he came down and told unto the people, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And return the words of the people back to God. And then in verse 10, now this is on Thursday. Verse 10, the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them. Now Moses is going back up and forth on Mount Sinai. Then the people are all spread out uh, before, the, before him. And... Uh, the priest and Aaron and some of them come up part ways, so they're representatives of the people so they're speaking for the people and maybe these several million people a couple of million can hear Moses from the mountain acoustics or whatever however he did that they could hear what he was saying and uh, he, Moses told the, all the words of the people and, uh, unto the Lord when he went back up that they agreed to do this and the Lord said unto Moses go unto the people and say unto them, this verse 10 Sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of the people upon Mount Sinai. So, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? Today is Thursday, tomorrow is Friday, and the third day is Saturday. And so, uh, Moses went down, told all the people... And verse 15, he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day. Come not at your wise, wash and bathe, and do all that he told in instruction. So it came to pass, verse 16, On the third day in the morning, that there were thunders and lightnings in the thick cloud upon the mountain, and the voice of trumpets exceeding loud, so that the people that were at the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount, uh, and Mount Sinai was uh, on smoke and it was fiery. And Moses spake and God answered him. And uh, the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain. And he said, charge the people, don't come up. Just let the priest come up a part way. And then God spake unto him all these words. He gave him the Ten Commandments. Now this is on Saturday. If we're reading this correctly, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He gave him the Ten Commandments. And then he proceeds on in verse 21. He gives him judgments against uh, uh, other writings of civil laws, the rights of persons, laws about manslaughter, crimes against parents, kidnapping, theft, damage, trespassing, borrowing uh, moral offenses, slander, false witnesses, charitableness, the Sabbath, the holy days, unleavened bread, Pentecost, the fall feast, the three seasons of the feast. And then notice in verse 24, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning. So this is Sunday morning now. He gets up early Sunday morning and built an altar. And he uh, sent young men because the Levites hadn't been instituted or set up till the next year in that uh, following year. And uh, they built this altar, and he took the book of the covenant. This is what he wrote: the Ten Commandments, the laws. So, no, there were no sacrifices in there because they weren't instituted till the second uh, year of their coming out of uh, uh, Egypt, when the tabernacle was set up and the Levites instituted, and they had to build the altar. And so, it was in the first month of the second year that they began to offer sacrifices. Like we'll, uh, it's not portraying there, but the tabernacle in this picture over there. And uh, he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has said will we do, and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you concerning all these words. Uh, and the Lord said to Moses, come up and I'm going to give you uh, the Ten Commandments, uh, laws and things that I've written. And so another 40 days, uh, seven days, and then 40 days went on when uh, that dialogue between God and Moses continued. But now, here is the uh, concern and the question here. Uh, I want to use an illustration of, uh, just so we can understand this, of our... American government and our uh, development of our Constitution, the Bill of Rights. and Let me read from uh, this little handbook here of uh, Constitution. We have extra copies over here if you don't have a copy, a pocket copy of the Constitution of the United States, Declaration of Independence. there's some over here by our literature stand that you can welcome. But we know in uh, May of uh, 1775 was the beginning of the War of Independence between the British and the Americans. It began at the Lexington Massachusetts, and then on July 4th, 1776, the Declaration of Independence was signed. Then in 1787, from 1776 to 1787, 13 years later, then the uh, Constitution was uh, the the confederation of uh, the representatives, 12 of the states got together and wrote the Constitution and it was signed by all except Rhode Island. Then in 1789, North Carolina became the 12th state to ratify the Constitution. Then in 1970 of May, Rhode Island ratifies the Constitution. That was the last of the original uh, states to do so. And then in 1791, Virginia ratified the Bill of Rights, the Ten, Com- the Ten Commandments, the Ten Amendments to the Constitution. There was 12 submitted, but only 10. We have our 10 Bill of Rights. So the point I'm making is the Constitution was developed and given several years before it was ratified. So this is what was happening. Uh, God gave the Ten Commandments and the Covenant, and Moses wrote those down. We know as the Book of the Covenant is Genesis, um, Exodus 20 through 23 are the terms of that covenant that Israel agreed to. Then it was ratified on Sunday morning, on the day of Pentecost, amidst all of that uh, that was going on there. So, if I think it's significant for us to know that the covenant, and I'm not going into the book of Hebrews today and discussing the differences of the covenant, uh, the superiority of the new covenant that has spiritual promises and spiritual blessings that the old covenant did not have, has some exclusions because we have Christ our Passover and Christ our Lamb and Christ our, that fulfilled all the sacrifices and the high priest. So we don't have to do some of those things that were not a part of the old covenant but were added later because people were sinning and breaking the new covenant then the commandments then the sacrifices were added as a reminder and a a way for reconciliation. So now let me me get back to my notes here. You know, I, I had notes and then I juggle things around and I switch things around as you do, and um, then I move them around and then I uh, I better color this, highlight it in some way so I don't get lost up there because uh, I don't want to leave something important out. So let me take just a moment here, and make sure that um, okay. <laughs> See what's up there. Uh, okay. Uh, What I want to do now is uh, go to uh, just ways briefly uh, to count, because we've had so much on this. Leviticus 23.10. We've probably seen some of that yesterday, uh, Matthew Steele recently, uh, year after year, but if some that may not be as familiar with this uh, verse uh, yes verse ten and eleven matthew twenty three ten and eleven speaking of the children of Israel when you become into the land which I give unto you, and you shall reap the Harvest thereof, when you shall bring a sheaf of your first fruits of your harvest unto the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. That's on Sunday. Uh, David Hope was talking about this yesterday, so you might uh, then drop down to 15 and 16. And you shall count unto you. Count unto you from, you don't just say it's a date, 7 and 6. You count. From the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven weeks, seven Sabbaths, shall be complete, even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath, which would be Sunday, shall you number 50 days. So it gives you some backup ways, 49 days plus a day or 50 days, and you shall offer a new meal offering unto the Lord. Now, this is uh, instruction and direction later in that second year of Exodus. Okay. Uh Let's go to let me see take just a moment till I look at my notes here and make sure where I want to go Okay, let's go back to Exodus twenty-three sixteen. You know, I, in hindsight, it would have probably been better if I would just rewritten all of my notes instead of trying to juggle them around because I don't want to take too much of your time. But we want to... What I want to consider here now are some of the other names that this day of Pentecost is known by. Exodus twenty-three sixteen, And the Feast of Harvest, the first fruits of your labors, which you've sown in the field, and the Feast of ingathering, which is the Fall Tabernacles. And then verse uh, 14 says, Three times keep the feasts unto the Lord. The fifth, fifth, verse 15 is uh, the Days of Unleavened Bread. Then Pentecost. Then uh, Deuteronomy sixteen, nine. Through twelve. Deuteronomy sixteen. Seven weeks shall be the number, Shabu, seven weeks shall be, The number unto you, begin to number the seven weeks from such times as you begin to put the sickle to the corn. So they would work on beginning on Sunday, couldn't work on the Sabbath. And you shall keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord your God with a tribute of a freewill offering of your hand, which you shall give unto the Lord your God according to the Lord your God, which has blessed you. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter your manservant, and your maidservant, the Levite that is within the gates, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow that are among you, in the place where, which the Lord your God has chosen to place his name there. And you shall remember that you was a bondman in Egypt, and you shall observe to do these statutes. And then uh, to the book of Numbers, 28th chapter. Back up, Numbers. Now this has to do with the Day of Pentecost, and even has to do with us in our Christian walk, as we'll see a little later here. Numbers 28, verse 26. Also in the day of the firstfruits, when you bring a new meal offering unto the Lord your uh, unto the Lord after your weeks. Be out. You shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work. And so it's called Feast of Weeks. It's called the Feast of Harvest. And it's called now the Day of Fruits, Numbers 28, 26, 31. We've just seen that through verse 31. Now, firstfruits. Go to Jeremiah, the second chapter because we hear a lot about first fruits on the day of Pentecost and other offerings that we're commanded to bring before to God. But go to Jeremiah, the second chapter, verse 3. Verse 2, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your espousals, when you went after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the firstfruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend, evil shall come upon them, says the Lord. Romans 8:23. now New Testament. Romans 8, verse 23. Paul writes, And not only they, well, he's talking about verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we're saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, for what a man sees, what is he yet hoped for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And so we see that we, who had the first fruits of God's Holy Spirit now, we understand this, the scriptures talk about the spirit that was in the prophets, or that David who prayed, take not your Holy Spirit from me. You know, God's Holy Spirit on the Old Testament saints from Adam up to Jesus Christ, could flow through them and be with them and be influencing their mind and God's spirit. But remember what Jesus said, the Holy Spirit would be with you, then he shall be in you. So until Jesus was resurrected, until the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, men were not begotten by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was the first begotten and the firstborn. We are the first fruits, the first begotten to have God's Holy Spirit. I'm talking about we Christians since the day of Pentecost. I think most of us understand that. Go back, go to, on to James, the first chapter. Just a a review of some of the basic scriptures that we know and understand here. James 1, verse 18. Of his own will... Beget he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. We, Christians, firstfruits of his creation. We're the beginning. That ought to really humble us to know, brethren, that God has looked down on the 7 billion people on earth today. And he's chosen Around this world, in all countries around, and because we, through our outreach, have contact with over 100 countries, and we hear from many of those in communication as we minister to them in literature, and they write back and respond, and we know that God is working through His Holy Spirit around this earth today. It's just not us here in Tulsa in this little congregation. When I say little, compared to the body of Christ. So God is working all over this earth and all of us who have God's spirit and are called and understand these things, we ought to be so humbled and so appreciative and so thankful that God, out of all of the people around, has chosen to give us the first opportunity for salvation, to be with him a thousand years and to be with him a hundred years and then to be with him for eternity, serving and waiting and ministering on those that are going to be called later. So... We have a great blessing of being the first fruits. Now, Revelation 14. In, in Revelation 7th chapter, the 144,000 of the children of Israel and an innumerable multitude, don't want to forget that, are sealed with the name of the Father. Then in Revelation 14, showing that they are protected and they come through that. Let's turn to Revelation 14. I won't go to Revelation 7, but the 12 tribes are mentioned there in... Uh, Revelation 7, so they're still on earth today. God promised there would always be Israel on this earth. He said if you can change heaven and earth and the the constellations, sun and stars, that there won't be any uh, descendants, then I can't do it. But He promised, and so we have on this earth today. Now I know uh, some have say maybe I get hung up a little bit on our Israel heritage and the importance and significance. Believe me, brethren, understanding and knowing who Israel is is important. We can't understand prophecy without it. We can't understand who we are as peoples without understanding who we are, who the Jews are, who other tribes and other nations are on this earth. It helps to know and understand this. And then when we read the scriptures, we know it's talking. And we know that there is going to be according to even here, confirmation of the book of Revelation. I saw, I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him a hundred, forty, and four thousand, having his father's name written in their forehead. And uh, they sung a new song before the throne and before the four beasts. And uh, no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty-four thousand, which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with, vir- with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the lamb whithersoever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And so we see that these 144,000 are comprised of us. We are in the church of God, we are members of the body of Christ. Now, the two lows, uh, this is, has been a discussion and we've explained this in, in past years, but I'm just going to uh, touch on that uh, briefly here. Let's go back to Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. Verse 17, you shall bring out of your habitation two wave loaves of two-tenths deals. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be bacon with leaven. They are the first fruits unto the Lord. So, we've explained in times past the significance of leaven and what it typifies. You know, unleavening is purity and leaven is false doctrines, false teachings, it's corruption, it's evil, it's wickedness, it's malice. The scriptures identify, we know what leaven is, puffs up, blows up, and uh, put a little heat and a little pressure on it, and, and it puffs up, and so we like leavened bread and leavened products, but there was to be no leaven with the offerings, but with these two particular loaves, there was to be leaven. He shall offer with the bread seven lambs without blemish, of the first year, and one bullock, And uh, two rams and a burnt offering with their meal offerings, their drink offerings, with an offering made by fire, sweet savor. Uh, Then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goat, Uh, and then in verse 20, the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering before the Lord with the two lambs. They shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. And uh, it was to proclaim, this was to be uh, read that earlier, a statute forever to Israel. So. These two loaves. Now, what is the importance and significance about that? Let's go to the New Testament, Ephesians, the third chapter. Ephesians 3. Now, I need to read the first 12 verses here, so I'm going to read them, and if you can just Go along with us here. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known or revealed by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. And so we see from Paul's writings that this is a mystery. The world has not understood that they're going to have a chance for salvation. Just think what would revolutionize the relationship and the conduct of nations on the earth if their peoples were taught and told the truth instead of pagan, false, corrupt, religious and political problems that they're experiencing in their nations today. Just think what it would be like if they were told that they can have an opportunity to be with God and be, uh, have salvation and to know the true God and to be a part of Israel. See, but a lot of the world hates the name Israel. Envy and jealousy against Israel. Not only against Christians, but against Christian America, Christian Israel. The things that God has blessed us with. So many peoples of this earth in their ignorance of their false teachers and and religious leaders have been taught to hate America and hate Christians. What if all that falseness was taken away? Isn't it wonderful? Good news. God is going to and he began on the day of Pentecost, and down through these last 2,000 years, has been sharing and giving and adding by the millions into his family. And later, and ultimately, let's go back to, uh, back up here just to uh, uh, Ephesians the second chapter, verse 11. Read a few more verses here. Wherefore, remember, don't forget it, remember that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, now some are in the church of God Gentile, some are Israel, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, not the Ten Commandments, but the, as he explains earlier in, in uh, other writings, the uh, humanistic philosophies, uh, men's laws, that are contrary to God's ways, contained in ordinances, human ordinances, for to make in himself of two one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were near nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit, unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom, we, in whom all the building fitly framed together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit." And so we see the opportunity for Gentiles to be a part of the body of Christ. And it's made possible through the sacrifice of Christ. The New Testament was ratified, the New new Covenant was ratified by the blood of Christ. And we agreed when we accepted those terms, God, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Baptized, received God's Holy Spirit, that covenant is ratified with us. Ten Commandments, Holy Days, Just Laws, Civil Conduct, judgments of God, we're expected to live righteous and holy. Now, the sacrifices, I'm not going to go into that. That's a part that was added later and it was changed and done away and Christ has fulfilled those sacrificial laws. So we don't need to concern about that today. What we want to look at here uh, before we close is something else that's uh, optional and uh, I don't know if, uh, I don't think I gave these uh, scripture uh, references to uh, Ryan, I might have, uh, go back to Genesis the 11th chapter, Genesis 11, since we have time and the meal is uh, not quite ready yet. Oh, okay, we've got plenty of time. Wow. Sundown is still 8, eight o'clock and something. <laughs> Slow humor. <laughs> Genesis 11. Now, this is after the flood, and uh, a little bit of uh, time has passed on here. A lot of things have happened that we have to spend some time uh, discussing, but... Uh, a hundred years have passed, but uh, maybe a hundred years or so. The whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shiner. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, or come on, let's make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar like an adobe, like out west, you see those adobe buildings all over. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven, and let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of Israel builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they began to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Just back even before the flood, you remember? The things in their imaginations of their heart was only evil toward uh, the uh, right standards. And God sent the flood because of their evil imaginations and all the practices that they were doing. Verse 7. Go to, let us, plurality of God, Let us go down there and confound their languages, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build a city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel. Confusion. Because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of of the earth. Now go back to New Testament to Acts where we started the second chapter. And we'll be closing here in a few moments. Acts the second chapter. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each one of them. Like a a cloven tongue of fire upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitudes came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Heard them speaking, understood what they were saying. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, how we, verse 8, how we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. What What I see here is, at a time of sin, When men were all together, and confusion was reigning and one language, and God came down and scattered them and split that up, and everybody began to speak a different language that we see now, many different languages on earth. Three basic language groups, three basic families, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, we know the three basic uh, families on this side of the flood, and the three basic, all languages grouped in three basic languages, but many different, we could say hundreds of dialects and languages Today, on the day of Pentecost, brethren, this is so thrilling. When God sent His Holy Spirit, then He takes away and He unites and He, instead of scattering, He brings together of one accord, and they could hear one language, and they could understand what God was saying. Everybody of different language. There's no more confusion. When somebody back in the Tower of Babel says give me a hammer or get out of here. They didn't understand because it was a different language and they scattered all over. Maybe some had some similarities and they grouped together certain families and ethnics. I don't know how how it happened, but uh, it happened. Now God is changing and he's doing away with sin and division. And so that's why throughout the New Testament we are, who have the Holy Spirit of God, are to be of one mind and of one spirit and one belief and love one another. And I know we have differences and we get on sometimes others uh, uh, well okay I'll leave that. Uh, but just think of what happens in the future when one language as we know from prophecy when all mankind are going to have one language will turn to God a pure language not filled with corruption, not filled with paganism, not filled with all of the slang and the filthy things that we have today, but a pure holy language when all the earth has access to God's Holy Spirit. Won't that be a wonderful, wonderful time that's ahead of us? These are just some of the lessons. I know I've left a lot out. I know I've kind of jumped around on some things about Pentecost because it's such a full harvest time. You know, God gave Pentecost in the summer at a time of harvest not in the winter, the dead of winter. So the day of Pentecost doesn't portray the resurrection. I know some teach that Pentecost portrays the resurrection. It doesn't. It portrays those who are going to be in the resurrection, who are called, the firstfruits, who are set aside. The first resurrection occurs at the seventh trump, the last trump, when Christ comes, the day of trumpets. Portray that. So we are looking forward to that new birth, to be born again, to be resurrected, to be changed, as we heard yesterday, either quickened, either the live ones quickened or the dead raised up. That's our hope. That's what we're looking for. And we don't have any racial superiority or animosity. My wife and I were in uh, Toronto, Canada last week for a wedding. I performed a wedding ceremony from uh, one of the sisters, of several sisters that I baptized several years ago in Canada and wanted me to perform the ceremony. And Toronto, if you've ever been there, it's a cosmopolitan city. I mean, there's all kinds of nationalities there. It seems like there's more nationalities than Caucasians and the East Indians and and Indians and uh, from all over Barbados and Trinidad. And, and uh, won't it be wonderful, brethren, when in the church of God, the body of Christ, the kingdom of God in salvation, the all of these nations of different ethnic background, of one race, one human race, but different families, are going to be able to be in the kingdom of God without any bigotry or opposition to uh, other uh, races. Won't that be be a wonderful time? Now, let me say this as I look at my notes here. Uh, Wouldn't you know it? I wrote two closings. (laughs) So I'm thinking here uh, what i 'll do is uh, read both of my closing statements because i 'd written one down, then I came back uh, the next day and I wrote down another closing, and i didn 't combine them, so uh, we 're finished today. Uh, there's so much, uh, like I said, more that we could say about uh, this day of Pentecost and the significance of to us and ultimately to all of mankind. Okay. Uh, Pentecost shows us the calling, dedication, separation of mankind to receive the Holy Spirit, to be the firstfruits resurrected, to be in the first harvest at the return of Christ, the first resurrection of the firstfruits. So we observe this day of Pentecost with rejoicing, resting, offering, praising God for His Holy Spirit to redeem us, To help us in our journey in the church of God through repentance, baptism, receiving of His Holy Spirit, overcoming to that entry into the kingdom of God at Christ's return on trumpets. Now this was the second little closer and I'm going to finish with this little briefer close here. Uh, We have many lessons from this day. Thank God He has made arrangements for us to have His Holy Spirit and the many reasons and blessings accompanying such an outpouring of His Holy Spirit on us. Let us praise and worship Him now in song and prayer of thanksgiving.